The doctor will see you now. But do they really? Do they see you as a mother who's a daughter and a caregiver? Fearless, but sometimes fearful. A health nut with a French fry habit. An O-positive geologist named Patty, who's here today for a melanoma exam. At Kaiser Permanente, we believe the only way to care for all of you is by seeing all that is you. Kaiser Permanente, for all that is you. Learn more at kp.org. Three, two, hit the button. And welcome to the Steelers Depot live stream here on Monday, January 23rd. I am Alex Kazor. As always, joining me is Dave Bryant. Let me go ahead and put up the site here for you guys. Just one second. There we go. Dave, how you doing? Doing good. My back's still holding up. Uh, getting on, uh, got one of those teeters that uh, inclines you, you know, put your feet up and you know, lay on it and go backwards and all like that. So I've uh, been mixing that into my nightly routine to keep my keep my back stretched out and all. And uh, got healthy just in time. Got the uh, Vegas crew coming out here for the uh, Shrine Bowl uh, week coming up here. So looking forward to uh, welcoming them into town on Thursday. Absolutely. Uh, really excited for that, for the Shrine Bowl, for the Senior Bowl. Uh, don't like they're both taking place at the same time. Never really understood that that scheduling conflict, but it'll be a really exciting time uh, for the site. And so as always, Dave and I are here until 8 p.m. Eastern Time answering any and hopefully all of your Steelers questions. If the chat could just let me know, we appreciate the 25 people already here. Uh, if you can hear us okay, if the audio sounds okay, if so... Then uh, Dave and I will jump right in with the questions and also the signing the Pittsburgh Steelers made today, signing wide receiver Dan Chasena to a reserve futures contract. The former track star at Penn State spent three years in Minnesota and now will be part of the Steelers offseason roster. And so that is the news of the day and the headline of this stream. Just going to check the chat here quickly. They say everything sounds good. Also, if you guys, as David O., so kindly says to hit that like button would really uh, help us out a lot and bring more people into the stream. We'll start things off, though, with a super chat that came in before the stream even went live. That's from Matt Bell, $10 super chat. So thank you so much, Matt. He says, hi, Alex and David. If you were co-GMs of the Steelers, what positions would you address in free agency and what positions would you address in the first round of the draft? Dave, I'll let you answer that one first as my now new co-GM. All right, uh, free agency, uh, I would definitely look and see what, what the inside linebacker market is out there and uh, a little bit better quality than what they've been doing in the free agent uh, inside linebacker market uh, previously. You know, they sign one and dump them the year later there, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with Miles Jack uh, this offseason. I don't think that they're going to drop him right at uh, – March 15th, but they obviously could. I mean, if he makes it past March 15th, we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, I think that's definitely one area you want to try to address. Can you pick you up a, uh, just knowing how the Steelers work, you know, uh, and even if I was in charge, I, I would maybe look to upgrade some depth uh, at, at, at either tackle or guard if I could uh, on, on, a, on a reasonable contract uh, that way. 
I think you're just going to see a lot of these guys re-sign too. I, I would make it a priority to re-sign guys like uh, DeMonte Casey if I could. Uh, obviously, Cameron Sutton at the top of the list uh, there. Draft-wise, got to go into trenches, I think, mm-hmm. uh, early here with, uh, with, with one or both of those first two picks that they have here. Uh, defensive line, offensive line would, would certainly make a lot of sense there. So, uh, I think that, that answers the bulk of the question there, right? Yeah, I think so for me, you know, not having done a deep dive into the strength of each particular, you know, classes or buckets, the free agency group versus the strength of say the receiver group in, in the draft. Um, I don't have a great answer. I think just big picture, I would go sign a veteran offensive lineman to be a backup, a Joe Haig type that's versatile, has Sunday experience, then trusting a rookie to try to do that um, while he's learning the NFL. That's kind of a, a tough task to, to ask out of a, maybe a later round guy. Maybe a nose tackle because you know, the draft capital to invest in that is heavier than a, than a cheap veteran type, a backup quarterback, a veteran with experience if Mitch Trubisky is cut, and then maybe a slot receiver, a veteran guy that can tie in lead that room that's still pretty young overall those are things that i think what i would find attractive in the free agency in the draft it's kind of everything else and that's trench play defensive line potentially corners those kinds of things but that's all more big picture stuff and that's without me really looking too deep into the pools of talent available in both free agency and the draft Got the first question. We'll come back to the top here from Raged EA2, who says, Evening, Dave and Alex. How do you think Calvin Austin III could have changed the results of the 2022 season if healthy? What's his ceiling and how can he contribute going forward? Frankly, the record would have been the same. Even if Austin was healthy the entire time, he could have made a couple of plays. But for a slot receiver that was going to probably not be a full-time guy, especially before Claypool was traded, that's not going to impact the the season in terms of the actual results of the year would have been uh, interesting to see him on a couple of those jet sweeps. <laughs> see sure. some of that speed sure. uh, that way. And, you know, maybe a couple other things you could have done with him out of the, uh, out of the slot. But I mean, even you go back and look at his college tape, you know, he played a little bit, you know, outside. I, I you know, I don't think you're going to be able to use him a lot as a Z type receiver uh, on the outside due to his size and all like that. But I mean, the speed element is the, and, and look, the yards after the catch, that's one of the things that we talked about on the podcast this morning. The Steelers finished last in the NFL in the regular season in average yards after the catch and anything that they could have gotten out of Calvin Austin. And you go back and look at his uh, college tape, right? I mean, he was, uh, he, he had quite a bit of yak. If, if memory serves me uh, in college, anything they could have got out of him uh, up and above what they got yards after the catch would have, would have obviously been a, been a bonus. What, you know, could they, uh, could he have delivered, uh, I don't know, another three or four explosive plays at some point throughout the season, maybe, uh, there, but, uh, you know, on, on the flip side too, what was this, what would have his, uh, snap total probably been 200 range, 250, if, if that. Right. Do you think it would have changed the course or the outcome of Pittsburgh season had Austin been healthy? Uh, I mean, you throw a couple of explosive plays in a couple of those games, who knows, you know, uh, but that, that, that's where the impact would have had to been made one or two more explosive plays, maybe in one or one or two of those games that they lost close ones. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but good question there. And we'll see what Austin can contribute 
uh, to this team, uh, assuming he's healthy and ready to go for 2023. Uh, it's got some people in the chat here. Russ is here. Good to, to hear from you. We are doing well. Uh, let's find some questions. Jaden Dunn, you guys mentioned that the offense under Matt Canada is somewhat simple. How does the defense stack up against the rest of the league in terms of complexity? It's tough for me, Jaden, to speak to the entire rest of the NFL, not following or charting especially uh, as closely uh, as I do Pittsburgh's defense. But I think Pittsburgh's defense, it has simple components. There's certainly a, a think less, play fast element to it. But in terms of the variations in, in the wheels turning, in terms of all the personnel groupings that were used this year, 22 personnel groupings used by Pittsburgh this year, compare that to just 11 all of last year. Now, a lot of that had to do with this team trying to get ultra creative to compensate for not having TJ Watt. And so that certainly played a role. But I would say the complexity defensively for Pittsburgh, comparing it to their offenses, is far more complex than what Matt Canada did this year. But also, this is a more veteran, experienced defense, and you would expect that. Plus, you're missing, uh, you got uh, Casey back in the second half of the season. Uh, that was another element uh, added to it. I was thinking about this uh, over the weekend here, too. Could uh, uh, the way, you know, had this defense stayed held or, you know, had, had this the ending version of the defense that they had on the field uh, in those final few weeks, you know, had this team somehow managed to slip into the playoffs, could that, uh, could, could that defense have held up at least their end of the bargain in wild card round, you know, uh, along those lines. I mean, obviously the offense, you know, uh, probably wouldn't have been able to hold up their part uh, where, where it came to point score, but could the defense have held up their part uh, of the bargain would have, would have been the in- interesting question, I think. Yeah, I mean, the defense certainly was the strength of this team and played really well down the stretch, but there were moments where they struggled and things that you wish you could have you know, gotten back and areas they didn't succeed enough in, so it's a valid point. All right, next question comes from Mike Adesso. Just a reminder, if you guys want your question to be guaranteed to be asked and answered, you can send Dave and I a super chat, and that will bump you to the front of the line. No obligation to do so, but we certainly appreciate that as uh, Matt Bell did earlier. Mike Adesso says over 65 quarterbacks started a game this season and well over 80 played significant minutes. Knowing that, not only do you need to spend money on a number two, having a solid number three is crucial too with Kenny Pickett on a rookie contract, paying Mitch or any number two upwards of 10 to 12 million and having the whole room for under 20 million, uh, but all capable is a big advantage. Thoughts? It's a fair point, and I think that's the one of the driving reasons why this team did not trade Mason Rudolph despite having we presume, uh, presume and assume suitors for Mason Rudolph and probably could have dealt him if they wanted to. They like the veteranness of that room and not necessarily being in a position where if one guy gets hurt, you're a snap away from some rookie, some unknown playing that would potentially really dramatically change your season. And so it's a it's a point well taken, uh, Mike Adesso. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how what that room looks like here over the next, uh, you know, once you get past uh, the draft and all like that, because, uh, you know, and really by 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 March fifteenth, right? See what happens with Trubisky's do the eight million dollars uh, uh, in two thousand and twenty three. Uh, those comments that he made, you know, several weeks back about man, I wish I would have thought it, gave it a little bit more time uh, and looked around a little bit more before signing makes it sound like he's 
would rather be somewhere else at this point, maybe competing for a spot around the league. And uh, if, if, if they do part ways with him, you need a veteran of some sort in that room. You know, uh, Josh Dobbs is back in the uh, popular talking channels, I guess, right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, probably could do worse than, than Josh Dobbs, right? You know, sure. uh, at, at this point. But, you know, what's your number, what's, what's your number three situation going to look like? Yeah, I mean, they always carry four to camp. And so if Trubisky is cut, they're going to sign a veteran similar to Trubisky in terms of resume, that, that experienced guy, but certainly cheaper. And so, you know, Josh Dobbs type of guy, if not actually Josh Dobbs. And then I think maybe you're, they haven't signed a reserve guy, a futures guy, a veteran type of quarterback that would come in really cheap. So I'm not sure if that's the path. A rookie undrafted for Asian probably included in that mix. And so, you know, first things first, you know, Mason's gone, Pickett's staying. What happens with Trubisky? That's the first big thing to watch, and you take it from there. Uh, let's see. Mutated Genome says, which position do you rank as the higher priority to fill starting inside linebacker or capable starting backup outside linebacker for when Watt inevitably gets injured again? I mean, I think obviously the starter is just more important based on the volume of snaps you're going to expect that guy to play. But I've certainly talked about quite a bit the importance of having a really strong and solid number three for rotation and protection against injury to Watt or if something happens to Alex Highsmith. So it's hard to necessarily rank them. I think they're both certainly considerations. Um, Who's going to start opposite Jack if Jack remains a stealer? Spillane, Robinson, something outside. That's a valid question. And then also your depth at outside linebacker. You saw Pittsburgh was impacted that when Watt Watt went down this year. Um, To me, I would just make DeMarvin Leal basically the de facto number three outside linebacker. But we'll see what the team uh, decides to do. Yeah, uh, that's a conversation we've already had late in the season on into the off season about what are they, what is the Marvin, you know, what is the plan for him uh, this off season? And it'd be great if he showed up on an interview somewhere and got actually asked that question because you would think during the exit interviews he's been kind of informed of which which way the, you know they they want him to go uh, from here. And look, he, he, regardless of that, they need to stop throwing throwing the you know, that, that mud against the wall of that Malik Reed type, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Derek Tuska type player. I, I would like to see them, even if it's a fourth or a fifth round type guy, go get you an edge that fits what you do. Uh, and one that can play on special teams and see if you can't develop, develop something there. Yeah. Uh, what about inside linebacker? Where's your kind of head at in terms of how to best approach that? I need to look at, uh, both, both avenues there. They need to look at both uh, free agency and, and, and the draft as well, too. It's hard to know exactly what they think about Mark Robinson, but I mean, you hear some of the comments later, later in the season that, you know, uh, they, they seem to be positive on him. And, you know, if they can, it's not the want to aspect when it comes to Mark Robinson, if anything, you know, you, you probably do probably say, look, you can't make every tackle on every play <laughs> when, right. when, when you're out there. You got to you got to have gap responsibility. You try to do too much. And that's when things really start going uh, south there. So, uh, I mean, I, he, you know, at, at worst, you would think Mark Robinson at, at, at the very worst would be a backup for you. I mean, but I think, you know, you go into it thinking that maybe he can compete uh, for, for a spot as well, too. But uh, I, I think you have to give that position a long look at, at every given avenue, uh, free agency and, and the draft. 
Sure, I'm with you. I want to get to a question from Zachary uh, Prosba in a second. This is just a a request, not a demand, uh, from the chat. But let's give the if we could give the Kenny Pickett discussion debate that happens every single time in these live streams a break for one uh one stream would appreciate that. I think everyone has their thoughts on Pickett, and you know we'll watch and and, and see him grow. So I'm not going to make anyone uh, not talk about Kenny Pickett endlessly in the in the chat, but I would appreciate that to bring more people in. So I, I just think that would be better for the chat. So I would appreciate if you guys could, uh, could do that. Back to our question from Zachary says Burrow. Now Lauren second year guys who make the big leap. Is it unfair to expect such a leap from Kenny Pickett speaking of Pickett next season and get to at least the, the divisional thanks guys in terms of where this team could go, you know, we'll see, but I think it's certainly reasonable to expect a leap from Pickett and from all those young guys, whether you're talking you know, George Pickens or, you know, even the offensive lineman, Dan Moore, always a third-year guy, um, you know, Jalen Warren, that kind of thing. I think it's reasonable to expect those guys to make big leaps in, in, in overall play. Man, there's many pieces of this offense that should be back uh, uh, next year and Kenny having a full off season and not having to worry about uh, combine and, and post-draft stuff. And this is his offense now and the conversations all offseason will be things designed around, uh, you know, maximizing what he does the best. Heck yeah. You should expect some sort of jump from him and you better see it within the first six or seven games of the season, uh, as well too. I mean, are, are you, are we talking, look, I, I think it would be quite an accomplishment from where I sit right now. Get this team back in a playoff and get them winning it. <laughs> get them right. winning one, one playoff game. Sure. All right. Uh, uh, let's let's start that there as the goal. Get in the playoffs and win one playoff game. I don't know, matter how you do it, but that needs to be the first you know you, uh, hurdle that this team uh, clears at this point. And your quarterback play will will, uh, will obviously need to be a big part of that on top of it. So uh, I'm not concerning myself with divisional round, championship, whatever. Just this team with the with the with the People that they're supposed to have back on, but you know, or we think will be back, you know, come the start of 2023 on both sides of the football, especially with the continuity that they're likely to have on the offensive side of football, and especially with you expecting Pickett to take the next step, mm -hmm. whatever that looks like. This team needs to get in the playoffs and win a playoff game. Period. Yeah. Long overdue for this franchise, no matter how you want to slice it. Uh, no question about that. I think the comment you made about the continuity this offense has is is one of the reasons why this team kept Matt Canada and one of the reasons why you should expect this offense to really hit the ground running next year. It would be a big disappointment if they don't, regardless of schedule, because everybody's coming back, including offensive coordinator, quarterback, receivers, running back, offensive line. They're aren't likely to be any significant changes. And if they are, there'll be additions that should make the group better, not worse. No major subtraction. This team's going to be subjected to barring injury. And so that reason alone should really kind of set the bar high for week one next year. Next question comes from Alex, a fellow Alex says, are you expecting the Steelers to focus on one position in the pre-draft process like they did the past two years? with running back and quarterback? Dave, that's a, that's a good question about this team's mindset. What are you expecting? Man, it's going to be interesting to start playing the Blues Clues game again, right? It's almost that time mm -hmm. uh, of year. And this time we have a different component to it with Andy Weidel being in the uh, in the front office there. Uh, you, know, set, you know, 17th is, is still a little bit of a long way to wait, you know? Uh, I mean, I think they'll – I think – 
come to time, as usual, I think we'll probably be able to whittle it down to probably four or five guys that we think that they're they're uh, they're serious about. Uh, I would I would hope that they would just not lock in on one guy. Maybe they will, but uh, it, it will be interesting to watch the pre-draft process to see how much changes where the position coaches go because. There's been times over the last couple of years where it's staring us right in the face, yet we choose to ignore it. <laughs> yeah, I think we've been we've been pretty good about tracking at least the yeah, position. But you know, the, like like the Demarvin Leal thing, you know, uh, that should have been in, in, in all of our mock drafts. You know, what was the uh, big because because Dunbar being because at the there, pro day? There, yeah, there, well, uh, yeah, and there was the other kid there too, and and I think that was the uh, the other defensive lineman that I had in my my mock draft there. Uh, and uh, uh, what in uh, Austin, weren't they at that pro day as well too? I'd have to check. I know Dunbar was there. I can't remember about if anyone else was. Maybe. But I mean, re- regardless, I, uh, I think, I don't think the overall process is going to change here. Uh, at least I don't think it will. But I, you know, you hope that they don't get in a position where they're just centered on just one guy. You know? Right. Yeah, I don't think they'll be that extreme about it. Um, I'm with you. I don't think the process changes too terribly much, but it will be interesting the first time through with two new true decision makers. Omar Khan, obviously in-house guy, but not the decision maker the way that Kevin Colbert was. And Andy Weidel, uh, an outsider, although he's a, a local Western PA kind of guy. And so it's hard to really feel quite as confident about the direction this team will take uh, through its process this year as, as the last 20, essentially, just because there is that newness aspect of who's actually making the call. Got 103 people in the chat, so appreciate that. I'm going to just do another call out to uh, hit that like button. would really uh, help the stream and bring in even more people here in the offseason. But thank you guys who have been here so far and asking a lot of good questions. Good question here from Mike Odessa, who says, who uh, led the Steelers in special teams tackles in 22? Who's the main guys there that you want to see back? Boykin, Snell, Killebrew, Pierre, new guy. Chisena seems solid, minus the iffy tackling ability. I forget who actually led. Was it was it Boykin or Allen or Millett or what was the? Do you know the, the name of who actually led with the most tackles? Well, I mean, you know, they break these things up into you know combined tackles, you know, assist and all like that. But I'll tell you this: Boykin had nine. Uh, where he was the primary on and he had one assist. So he had 10 in total. He had Arthur Millette had 13 in total, but those were broken up as eight, uh, eight primary and five assists. Marcus Allen had eight primary and four assists for 12. Uh, James Pierre had nine total five, uh, uh, primary four assisted and Benny Stell had eight combined four, four primary and, 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 and four assisted. And then even you look at a guy like uh, Connor Hayward, uh, nine total, mm. but uh, three of them were, uh, were primary and six uh, were uh, of the assisted variety. Look, this, uh, you know, you, you get the cheapest guys that can do the best job for, uh, uh, you know, bang for the buck there. Uh, and we have seen, you know, especially this past year, you had, you had a lot of money tied up in guys that were, uh, you know, core guys, Boykin, uh, uh, Brew's obviously another one. And, you know, you really didn't get the, even though it's kind of, it, it wasn't over the top expenditures on that, 
you really didn't get the bang for the buck that 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 you know you kind of expected when you had that kind of money tied up in those kind of core guys. So uh, I would like to see Boykin back. I'll tell mm-hmm. you that uh, 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 up front there. Uh, it wouldn't hurt to have Benny Snell football back. Uh, I mean, what you know, what are you going to do for a third running back anyway? And normally that third running back has to has to play on special teams. I mean, if you could get him back on, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to go out and give him two million dollars, you know, for the season to do it. But if you could get him back for that, obviously Connor Hayward's under contract still, and that's going to be a a, a a core guy for you as well too there. So and then you know what's going to happen with a guy like Elijah Riley that you know, has, has shown in the past that has. Uh, some special teams experience here. But I mean, if you want to talk about guy, one guy I'd probably be banging the table to get back would be Miles Boykin. I'm with you. What's interesting though, is three of the four names you mentioned in terms of special teams, tackle leaders are pending free agents in Miles Boykin and Benny Snell and in Marcus Allen. And so if you hypothetically lost all three of those guys, that's a that'd be pretty big turnover. Now, some people obviously want to get rid of Marcus Allen. I'm probably pretty indifferent on Benny Snell. Uh, with Allen, you can take it or leave it. That's fine. Snell, I, I'd like to bring back, but you know, does Snell really want to come back? Does he want to try to go somewhere where he might have a chance to, to carry the football? I mean, he knows he's got Harris and Warren ahead of him. There's really no path for him to see time unless one of those guys gets hurt. He's an accomplished and solid special teamer, but I'm sure in, in the Benny Snell ethos, he wants to be a bit more than just the guy that runs down uh, kicks and punts. So would he just try to go somewhere else? I mean, I can't rule that out. Uh, let's see, question from Daniel, who says, what do you see as the main differences between Colbert and Weidel in terms of draft strategy and roster buildup? It's a good question. I don't think we can really answer that concretely yet. I think this team will be more willing and active to trade, especially going down. Kevin Colbert almost never traded down first round or otherwise. He would go up occasionally, and so there's probably going to be a greater chance of that happening, just more movement on draft day. Beyond that, I don't have a, a great feel for what's going to be different when you compare Colbert to, to Andy Weidel. I think as you fan out into the later rounds, you'd like to see the the net kind of widen a little bit more. So we're not running the jokes about Kevin Colbert and 25 names on an index card. Sure. You know, uh, you know the how you know how does he value in the trenches? You know, uh, is that is that going to be a priority? Will will he be a guy that works uh, closer to the ball to the further away from the ball? You know what I'm saying? Uh, will he have that kind of philosophy? We're, we're really not going to know uh, until we start getting a track record uh, on him a little bit more. And I, I don't think you can just rubber stamp what happened over in Philadelphia, even though I'm sure he did have a big part of having the hand in the pile, uh, uh, with that, but, but do we know how, how, how much pull he had in that? I think he had the last couple of years, significant pull in the sense of he was basically running the draft room and then Howie Roseman would have the final sign off on the pick. And so I know there was a story where Weidel wanted them to take Justin Jefferson and I guess Roseman wanted Jalen Rager. And so they went, obviously went Rager and then ended up being the, the wrong decision. Um, so Weidel did not have final authority, but it seemed like he had pretty good pull in that room overall. I know we get asked this question a lot, and I kind of him and haw and say it's a hard one to answer, but I want to ask the chat, since there's so many people here in the chat right now. If you just had to guess right now, January 23rd, a lot can and will change. What position do you think this team takes, number 17 overall? What position, if you just had to bet right now uh, what they would take, uh, let us know in the chat below. I just want to kind of get a a view of the answers. Is it, is it D-line? Is it offensive guard? Is it slot receiver? Is it corner, inside linebacker? Probably a lot of ways this one can go. So want to get your guys' thoughts there. 
Uh, Ross Wisher says, who would you rather have for the next decade, Alex Highsmith or Terrell Edmonds? Uh, putting cost aside for just a moment, just one-to-one player-to-player, it's Highsmith, I think, easily over Edmonds. Edmonds has been solid, available, would like to bring him back, but Highsmith is certainly the higher ceiling and the more impactful player. Yeah, that's easy for me to answer as well, too, and that's Highsmith. Yeah. Sebastian Sanchez says Rooney is selling the team. I think that's news to Rooney. I don't expect that to uh, happen, but that's a comment there from Sebastian Sanchez. Uh, Mike says any specific players or position group you may focus on in Mobile. I'm so excited for the Depot's crew's coverage on both uh, them having them on to discuss. Yeah, I don't have I'll have an article on that before I leave on, on Sunday for the Senior Bowl. I'm still kind of working through some of that stuff, but I'll be watching the trench guys a lot. That's kind of been my focus so far. Uh, O-line, D-line, and edge is probably going to dominate some of my um, pre-senior you know, senior bowl coverage. A lot different from last year, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was quarterback, and I, there were so many rumors at the senior bowl about quarterbacks. I heard they loved every single guy down there from Kenny Pickett to Matt Corral to you know just the whole, whole gamut of plays. Malik Willis obviously dominated that conversation quite a bit last year, so it'll be a a different feel, a different vibe this year, I'm betting. Yeah, look, uh, got you, Wise, Tyler Wise, Jonathan Hightritter, uh, Ross McCorkle for the first time down there, right? Yeah, really excited for Ross. Just did a really good report on day one, Jones from Ohio State, so it's going to be a great trip for him. We sent Ross through the uh, Scouting Academy, and uh, his uh, his work uh, looks uh, looks like that's paying off uh, so far for him. So uh, excited to get him down there with uh, you guys who have been been there before. Definitely. Just want to read some of the comments. I, I can't get to, to them all because there's so many people that answer. We appreciate you guys answering to the question that I had about what position do you think they will take. I'm just going to rattle some off here for you guys. Offensive tackle, linebacker, corner, corner or, or O-line, corner, O-line. Offensive tackle, offensive tackle, O-line, corner, inside linebacker, D-end, interior defensive line, D-line. So it seems to be corner, O-line with some D-line dominating, uh, excuse me, dominating the answers there. Not surprising. Yeah, that seems to be about in line with what what, uh, Dave and I think are thinking as well. Let me scroll back up half hour to go here in the chat. Appreciate you guys being here as always. If you have suggestions for things you want to see on the channel and for, for Steelers Depot, be sure to drop that uh, you know, in the, in the chat below. Any article ideas or video ideas, we can certainly take that under consideration. Let me scroll back up to where I was before. Uh, where did I have my spot? Let's see, AB says, rank in terms of need of an upgrade, offensive tackle with a core four and more, offensive guard with Daniels and Dotson, or center with Cole. So if you had to rank those groups, tackle, guard, center, in terms of what needs to be upgraded the most, how would you rank that, Dave? Oh, wow. You know, I... I... Well, you know, Corfor is going to be there. I, I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think sure. I, uh, left guard is what what really sticks out. Whenever I talk about offensive line right now, left guard really sticks out in my head right now. So, guard. What are your thoughts on Dan Moore? Do you think do you trust him to be this tackle of of next year and, and potentially beyond? think you should have somebody in there pushing him at the very least. I think he's going to be your week one guy, like it or not. But uh, uh, you, you, you better have a plan, uh, okay. in there. I mean, I think we saw, we have seen some 
he he'll, he's a guy that takes two steps forward and then next game will seem seem to maybe take three steps back uh, kind of guy there. But uh, is he is he a premier guy that you're probably going to extend here in the next couple of years? Uh, it, it doesn't feel like it right now. Uh, but look, we we've said this several times. It, this team got extreme was extremely fortunate. The fact that they were ha- able to keep all five of these guys healthy mm-hmm. uh, all, all of the season, get the snaps. I, I shudder to think what would have happened if they would have lost any one of those guys for an ex- and and any any one of the five of them for any ex- uh, uh, extended period of time. What what would have happened within that? So you cannot put yourself back in that same position again. So you've got to have some depth, better depth albeit the, 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 the draft, free agency, or both, to at a minimal, you know, allow for you to not have the luck that you had last year. Yeah, I think this team can't bank on having the unbelievably good health that it had this year. And thankfully, that depth, which was really questionable, was never tested outside of you know, a half of J.C. Haasenauer was about as much as it was, was tested this year. And, and thankfully, you know, that happened, but you can't, assume that's going to happen again. So to me, left guard, I'm with you as the place I would make a change if I was making a change. And then I think getting a good tackle, veteran tackle that can play both spots is important because I don't think that team has that guy right now. Now, obviously, if you end up spending a, a first-round draft pick on uh, uh, on a tackle, you're going to want that guy to try to hit the field as soon as possible. Oh, yeah. I mean, then I assume that's left tackle and then Dan Moore is trying to become your swing guy if that happens. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. you know, Right tackle with Dan Moore, everybody wants to move the guy. He's almost never played right tackle before. Um, he did a little bit two years ago, briefly, whenever um, Banner was still kind of, I guess, in the in the mix. Um, and I think he did so his freshman year at Texas A&M, but he's pretty raw there. And so I'm not saying he can't do it, but you know it's going to be a challenge for him. Top-down drumming, just want to reach this comment here. He says, I always listen to the podcast version, so glad I finally caught you guys live. And so thank you, Top Down Drumming, for being here and finally catching us live here. Uh, his answer in terms of what this team will do at 17, he says O-line and D-line. We need more start-with-the-trenches philosophy. You know the last time this, this team drafted an offensive lineman in the first or second round was David DeCastro back in 2012? It's been a decade. And so I, I know the, the first-round conversation gets talked about a lot, but first or second round it's been it hasn't happened in 10, in 10 years and look you you know you're at 17 there's a good chance a couple of the top tackles are off the board at that time but as we have seen over the years some you know those interior guys sometimes get pushed down you know like the caster i mean because he was right. 24th pick and he was a, a probably top 10 top 15 talent in that draft oh man i remember that i remember to talk all that off season there's no way david <laughs> de castro is going to fall to no way it's not happening stop talking about de castro you know yeah and that's why we always caution the it's never going to happen there's no chance because you can never predict what's going to happen on draft day brian tallini has a, an offering on slot receivers he, he's going to throw out a name here paris campbell of the Colts. I like that. What Ohio state guy, um, bigger body. I, I don't know if he's going to fit in the Canada slot receiver type. I think he wants the Calvin Austin, the guys that can be used on, on motions and jet runs. I don't know if Campbell fits that to a T, but I, I like the name overall. Uh, let's see. 
Logan says any position in particular you want the Steelers to target on offense in for agency. It really depends more on the talent than the actual position. I think certainly getting a veteran backup quarterback is going to be critical and expected if this team cuts and moves on with uh, from Mitch Trubisky. So that, again, slot receiver, a veteran guy would be ideal. Is there a guy out there? I, I'm not sure. There may, there may not be. Um, but it's really less about the position and more about the player. Yeah, look, uh, I mean, anything on that offense line, especially if you could get a guy that, that that's that swing capable that can play all three spots inside, you know, yeah. uh, along those lines. You know, you have to, might have to spend a little bit of money on that. But uh, once again, you know, this this team was so incredibly lucky that they didn't have to get into it to, into their depth uh, on 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 the offensive line. And I, there's no way that you can go in into this next season w- without throwing really both at it, uh, free agency and, and draft picks at it. Herbs Play says, would the Giants swap backups Trubisky for Tyrod Taylor trade? I, I don't know if that's equitable in terms of where Taylor's at, at in his career. I know that Trubisky, if he didn't go to Pittsburgh, he probably would have ended up in New York with uh, Brian Dable, who was with him in Buffalo, and, and Joe Shane, who was also there in Buffalo. Now they're going to pay Daniel Jones. At least we, we assume that's going to happen. Will they pay Trubisky as well? I mean, it wouldn't cost a ton, but Trubisky would know if Jones gets paid, I'm 100% the backup. I don't think he's probably going to end up in, in New York this time around. Uh, let's see. Next question comes from, and I really appreciate 135 people here. This is a great off-season crowd uh, for sure. Uh, let's see if I can find a question. Uh, Mike Adesso says, this is probably better for the pod, but Alex, you always mention Meyer's specific style he teaches. After one season, how would you rate that style and how tough is it to bring in new guys to adjust? Yeah, I had my concerns, my, my reservations. I think and when we talk about that's Pat Meyer, the offensive line coach, and his styles are really aggressive. Uh, take it to them, bring the fight to them is the phrase that Meyer uses to to describe pass protection. My concern in the summer was how would you handle finesse moves i think it's a good approach against power and bull to really make that first contact and stall those things out before bull rushes get started dealing with finesse was more my concern but it ended up being less of an issue during the season as guys of course got comfortable so um, they adjusted well and the style i think at its best can certainly work if you're technically sound which is this group got better at Um, how tough will it be for new guys yeah i think it'll be a challenge but that's probably true of any any new system, new style that, that a guy comes into. So it's not necessarily unique to to Pat Meyer, just unique to anything that we're a guy's coming from a different kind of system. And once again, they benefited from the continuity of having all five guys in there helped, yes. helped aid that. It was one of the biggest keys to their success, I would say. All right, next question comes from Logan, who says, no, Jonathan made a profile on... How do you say it's Siaki Ika, the Baylor defense alignment? Do you envision the Steelers valuing a nose tackle as a first, uh, early second? Seems like he will be a snap count guy due to size and conditioning. It's a really good question. We've had this debate before. I don't know where I've Going all the way back to the last uh, uh, Baylor kid, right? (laughs) Andrew Billings, yeah, absolutely. Um, It's a fair point, and, and I think certainly you have to be you know, have some pass rush juice to be a three down guy, not be that just early rundown guy. I still think that people overlook the importance of a good nose tackle and the importance of base defense when you're playing the Ravens, you're playing the Browns, even the Bengals to a lesser extent. But it's a it's a fair critique of, of that position. 
you should not spend uh, now uh, the way de- you know defenses are all about sub package more than anything. Yes, they still play base and all, but in my opinion, uh, those those zero and one techniques that that's all they can do. Uh, no, the the value's not there early. Those kind of guys, I think you can probably get later in the later rounds there. Yeah, I think so. Um, I know I asked earlier about the the picket conversation. Uh, Ross Witcher, can we just not debate picket? I want people to get in here and have other chances to talk about other things. Um, so I'd appreciate that if we just cool the picket talk for the rest of the, the evening. I think you've made your point pretty clearly. You're not a fan of picket, and that's fine. And we'll see how he looks and how he progresses. But let's uh, let's not go round and round the entire chat. Just kind of, I think, bogs up the chat when people want to come and ask questions and, and that kind of thing. So I'd really appreciate that if you could... If you could refrain for the next uh, 20 minutes. Have a $5 super chat from, let me get the name here, Findle70. Heard from him before. Says, hearing all these stories about Kenny Pickett, possible uh, try to learn too much compared to even Purdy. They just act more fluidly. Analysis, paralysis, etc. I'm not quite sure what you're meaning. Um, try to do too much compared to even Purdy. They just act more fluidly. Analysis, paralysis, etc. Do you know maybe what, what Findle's talking about, Dave? No, say it again. The chat says, hearing all these stories about Kenny Pickett, possible try to learn too much compared to even Purdy. They just act more fluidly, analysis, paralysis. So maybe he's saying, was there, was there too much put on Pickett's plate early that kind of maybe created some of those growing pains? That's my guess of what he's asking. No, I, I, and listen to Kenny talk. I mean, I, I, I don't know exactly where he's going with this, but... You know, just listen, listening to Kenny talk since the season ended all like that. Uh, he really didn't get, you know, this really didn't become his offense, you know, until, you know, you know, what, last third of the season or so when he was allowed into the, the meeting rooms and all like that. I think, Eric, you know, uh, even though it was probably framed as or it was framed kind of as a quarterback competition in camp, we all knew that wasn't the case. And and I uh, I, I think it didn't it didn't really become his kind of offense until much later on in the season there. So I think that was one of the first things that he had to overcome uh, in that. And obviously being new to the NFL and, and, you know, uh, uh, the overall, you know, the play calling, the scheming and all like that on top of it, I, I, it really kind of felt, and I've said this before, it really felt sort of like a duck Hodges kind of situation for several of those starts there, you know, just don't, just don't turn the football over. You know, we'll, we'll throw these, uh, uh, these curls and these comebacks and these out routes. And, 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 you know, if you see the, uh, if you see the, you know, a, a press man situation, uh, on the outside, take your shots on the outside like that. Uh, look, he, I, I think the only I think the main takeaway when it comes to Pickett in the end of the season is we saw him do a couple of things, you know that that were positive with the extending the plays and and things along those lines. At no point did I think uh, uh, the NFL overwhelmed him from a oh man you know I'm I'm, I'm nervous. I think he was from a prepared aspect he was prepared. I just think it and I think he I think he and he's he has said this too. You know, caught up with the speed of the game and and all like that. So I don't think that was an issue for him uh, either. I just think it it you know I really think they really brought him along baby steps. Yeah, I think so. I think it was evident based on the the mentality and the approach to to try to win and compete the second after the season. So got a really extremely generous super chat here from Elliot Eubanks, $50 super chats, one of the best I think we've ever gotten. So, extremely extremely kind and generous from Elliot who says, 
No question. Thanks for answering my question on the podcast and appreciate all the draft coverage. Cheers. I don't know what question that was on the pod. Um, I'd have to go back and listen, but uh, thank you so much, Elliot. If you have a question yeah, that, that comes to mind, please feel free to, you don't, you don't have to send us a super chat again. Please do not, but um, uh, you can send it there just in the chat and we'll be sure to get to it. But thank you so much for, for listening to the pod, um, for uh, you know chatting with us and, and being here tonight would really, really do appreciate that. And so uh, thank you so much, Elliot. So let me scroll back up here and find some of the other questions from the chat. And let's see if I can find something here for you guys. Um, let me scratch you back down to the bottom here. Get some of the more recent ones. I think I saw one from David O. I had a really good question from David O. Who says, uh, basically, what do you think Art's going to emphasize in this State of the Union statement? <laughs> He's always talked about run game in the past. Probably less of a, of, of a focal point, given how much better that got. But what do you think he's going to talk about as kind of the, the, the indication of what he wants to see this team fix. Well, I sure hope uh, yards after the catch comes after uh, out of his mouth is one of those things. But I, I, I have a feeling it's going to be a, uh, an in the trench talk. Okay, with O line or D line or just as a I general think, I trench? Think just probably a general. Uh, I, my my betting money this time won't be as specific as much as it would be an just an a generalization of in the trench. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think I wonder, um, I don't know if he'll have as specific of a thing, um, other than just scoring more points. It's like, it's just a, a general catch all, but you I take I, the Matt, Matt Canada. Uh, yeah. Map. We just got to score touchdowns. We just got to be better. Uh, that kind of thing. But, uh, I think it'll be a, yeah, I don't know. I, I think maybe trench play, maybe defense align, just given some of the losses they may have there. But uh, I'm really curious to see kind of what, if anything really emphasizes. All right, let me scroll back on up. And uh, Chris Neal says center may be a sleeper pick at 17. I don't know if it'll be a center worth taking at 17. Though. It's just that, that valuation is kind of the, the thing throwing me for a loop. And plus, I like Mason Cole, what he did this year. Uh, let's see. Top Down Drumming says Tomlin is an amazing coach, but issues starting the season slow, losing the teams they quote-unquote should beat while winning games they quote-unquote should lose. Lack of discipline, penalties, thoughts. Was Pittsburgh that penalized this year? I mean, there were, you know, flags, but I don't think they were particularly penalized that much. Kevin Dotson got enough for everybody. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, besides the ineligible man downfield, which was, you know, rage-inducing. But I think if you look, you know, broadly, I don't, I don't think this team was penalized too much. Let's look the back half, The back half of the year, especially, I think, first half of the year, there were more issues. Um, I know defensively there weren't a ton of, you know, DPIs and, and those kinds of things. I know those numbers are kind of down across the league, but I don't think Pittsburgh was particularly egregious in terms of just the penalty aspect of it. Well, by game here, let's see. Uh, Cincinnati, eight. Uh, I'm going to read them off in order of the games of the, the total number of penalties uh, here. Eight, three, five, eight. And that eight came against the Jets. Six, seven, five, nine against the Eagles. Three, eight. Three seven two seven three six four. If you want to look at it uh, individually here, twelve of them by Kevin Dotson, uh, hmm. and I think he was among the league leaders in penalties for a single person uh, last year. He had uh, let's see, false start, holding, ineligible downfield, unnecessary roughness, false start. Holding, holding, ineligible downfield, false start, false start, holding, and ineligible down the field. So uh, three down the field 
ineligible calls against him. Uh, four holding, four false start. Boy, he was trying to wear the gold. He was trying to go for a, some, you know, <laughs> uh, trying to trying to win all the categories here. And uh, one unnecessary roughness penalty. So it was a false start holding down the field and ineligible, I mean, uh, unnecessary roughness for him. And the partridge in a pear tree. And that's the issue with Dotson. Physically, he's talented. He did play better the second half of the year, but there are so many mental mistakes technically and with the penalties that just kill this team, and that's the the driving reason why I think if you're going to upgrade anything, you're going to upgrade left guard. Your top two were uh, uh, Dotson, 12 penalties, Dan Moore, 10, and then your next highest was uh, Deontay Johnson at six. Mm, that's a lot for a receiver. I wonder how many receivers across the league had as many as Deontay's six penalties. And unfortunately, uh, there were uh, unforced type. Four of those six were unforced. Illegal shift, two false starts, and a taunting. You remember that taunting? Yeah, that was the Carolina. Carolina. Game. Yeah, right, right after, right. Was that before or after Allen? I think it was after. Mm, I think I you're forget. right there. Uh, two OPIs on him. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a pretty high amount for a receiver. I don't call OPI too often. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Chris knew we must have led the league in illegal downfield penalties. I know they were. I believe they finished at the top. I don't know for sure. I'd have to check that. But they're right up there if they weren't number one uh, yeah. itself. Uh, let's see, left tackle, a knee, that's from Mostos. I wouldn't call it a need. I, 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 I like Dan Moore more than most people. I think if he improves his punch against power rushes, um, he's going to be a really good left tackle, so uh, I wouldn't call that a need. If you have a franchise guy sitting there, would you would you upgrade? Potentially, probably, but I don't know if, that's guy, if that guy's going to be there at 17. Uh, Rocky Roxham, I haven't watched that guy yet, so I, I really couldn't tell you, but a good name to add on the list, so I, I will uh, check that out and hopefully have a, have a better answer for you next time. Uh, let's see what we have here in the last 10 minutes of the stream. Uh, Amir, Khalid, hey Alex, do you think we'll see the front office operate differently than previous years given when we have a, a new GM? Mentioned that a bit ago. Um, potentially, it's kind of a whole new uh, adventure for all of us to kind of see how the con why old team operates and what changes, if any, do occur. You can bet we will have post anytime any one of them guys is spotted at a uh, at a pro day for sure. Definitely. Ben V with a comment, but I'll read it here. Dan Moore Jr. and Chuck Wumar core four make up one of the worst tackle tandems in the NFL. Everyone except James Daniels is replaceable on the O-line. So Ben not happy with the uh, the tackle tandem. I wouldn't call them one of the worst. Not one of the best, but I would not call them one of the worst. And I think Brad Smith is back to talk about Jack Campbell. Uh, would be a nice pick at inside linebacker. He says have a report on him. Somebody mentioned, I think, about uh, Drew Sanders as well, and Tom did the report on him. I'd bring it up, but I think some of the gifts might create some copyright issues with the stream, so I'm not going to do that. But uh, just search uh, Sanders' name, and you'll see the report on the site, and uh, you can check that out uh, from Tom, who did a very good job with that report. Uh, Mason asks, how about this one? Uh, Dave, uh, how do you how do we feel about bringing Trey Turner back? I honestly can't remember how well he did about Trey Turner. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, I think he had some issues. Uh, uh, I think he did get into the starting lineup uh, somewhat later in the season, and he was in yeah, Washington, I, right? Yeah, Washington, and yeah, no, 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 thank you. You can do better than that. Mark Miller, you guys talk about DVOA a lot. Can you give me a basic explanation of the DVOA? 
uh, metric, I think is what he says there. I mean, we, we talk less about DV. I mean, we don't talk as much about mm -hmm. uh, uh, DVOA, but is it, you know, basically I think it's a stat uh, based on, you know, situation, same situations around the league, third and six from, you know, certain, certain uh, yard line and how, you know, uh, how much over average uh, uh, are you, when it comes to those, it, it, you can, you could do it for any certain play. And that's, you know, foot, look, football outsiders has made a whole career off of that. Nobody right. does it better than football outsiders. Cause it's, it's their, it's their metric and all when it comes to that. Uh, if you have the money uh, and you're into advanced analytics, uh, football outsiders does a fantastic job on that. Uh, Aaron, Aaron, how do you pronounce shots? Uh, I think so, uh, yeah. uh, is his name. I mean, he does an absolute, I, I focus a lot more on things like adjusted net yards for passing attempt. And, uh, I mean, I obviously look at DVOA, uh, you know, throughout the week and, you know, some of the other advanced metrics and all like that. But, uh, uh, I, I go tape first and then, you know, I have my favorite stats that I pay attention to, but DVOA, I mean, it's, uh, it's a, it's a reputable, uh, uh, stat that has stood the test of time. Right. But so as your stats, we talked about adjusted net yards per passing attempt, uh, earlier today and the really strong correlation there. And so I think that's also one of the, one of the golden stats we look at when evaluating and trying to predict team success. Look, when you get week, and I said it again this morning, you get around week six, seven, eight of the NFL. It's 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 really really easy to see which teams are are going to make a run for it and which teams uh, are not. And I'll tell you this: the Steelers on the offensive side of football with uh, with adjusted net yards passing attempt number of just over five. Uh, that you know, you look at the remaining four teams at this point uh, in, in in the league. You. You better be at 6.7 at a minimum, you know, and, and you might say, well, five to 6.7, that doesn't sound that big. Well, it, that's a huge, huge jump there. And uh, the adjusted net yards per passing attempt stat works off of uh, obviously attempts and completions and sacks and interceptions and touchdowns, uh, it, you know, and, and kind of works off of their moving forward there. So uh, one thing we need to see right out of the shoot when it comes to the Steelers offense and Kenny Pickett is we need to see that uh, that adjusted net yards for passing attempt number, man, at a minimum, man, I want to see that thing at 6.5, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and then maybe hope, hopefully build on it from there. Anything less than that, you're gonna. I think you're gonna be looking at another 500 or, or one game over 500 team. Uh, just about five minutes left, a little more than five minutes left. So I'm gonna try to get through as many questions you and I, Dave, as possible, and be sure to get your questions in here so we have some time to try to to see them and, and answer them. Uh, let's see. Let me just try to go rapid fire. Reed says, "Was giving Deontay Johnson an extension a mistake?" I, this may be a controversial take. I don't think it was. Right? I don't think it's going to kill this team. It was a pretty small deal, uh, not super long-term. Um, Johnson did not have a great year this year, but I, I would not actually call that a mistake. No, I wouldn't either. Now, I know he's, you know, you disappointed people when uh, when, when, when looking at, you know, uh, obviously touchdown production uh, was nothing there, and that's uh, concerning. But still, I mean, that, and running after the catch, you can do without seeing him. Uh, catch and run backwards and all like that. I, I think that was a byproduct of him trying to do too much at times uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff there. Once again, you go back to this team in yards after the catch was absolutely horrible, tr tremendously uh, horrible when it comes to that. Uh, though you look at the tape on a weekly basis, 
you know, nobody set, you know, he is at the top of the league when it comes to separation and all like that. What they need to do with Deontay Johnson now moving forward is they've got to do a better job of getting the football to him out in space uh, and letting him, you know, uh, and, and talk to him. So, look, you got to catch and go. You can't none of this uh, uh, think that you're going to be able to go backwards and then try to go forwards from there. Uh, those are the, the that's the biggest component. Then, you know, obviously, you know, uh, the drops. You hope the the drops stay in, stay mm-hmm. in line uh, there right. when it comes to him. But it, it's 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 not a killer contract overall when it comes to him. Yes, you want to see more more touchdown production from him. Yes, you want to see more explosive plays uh, out of him. But you know, and I wrote about this. I don't know halfway, midway through the season, and all like that. You know, the kind of stuff that he was targeted on uh, the routes and all were not conducive to him producing yak. Uh, Mike Adesso, do I plan on doing more live mocks? Hopefully at least one or, you know, if walk the mock has me back, then I'll certainly do that. So at least one and hopefully, you know, two or three throughout draft season. Uh, Chris Neal, do I see Mason Cole as a long-term answer at center? I was encouraged and and saw more from Cole this year than I expected. Is he really the, the guy five years from now? Probably not, but he's probably going to be the starter through the length of his contract. Uh, Russ, would I trade Mitch Trubisky to move up? Um, I trade Mitch Trubisky for anything I could get for Mitch Trubisky right now. If someone wants to have him, I'll take whatever I can get for him. Yeah, it's just not pushing a button though, too, because the team's right. got to uh, be willing to pay him that eight million dollars. You 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 think okay, it shouldn't be. Uh, there there is that component to the trade that you have to consider here. Will, might there be a team that that that's interested in in getting him uh, for eight million dollars? I mean. We'll see, but I I, I kind of doubt that would be be the case. Yeah, I don't think there'll be much of a market. Teams know if he's being shopped, he's about to be released, and and they would just probably wait for that. Bob Yeager would uh would you move Dan Moore inside, similar to Willie Colon, if you draft left tackle? That'll be talked about a lot, and I get it. It just that should a, be the swing. Yeah, I think I'd prefer him as the swing over as the actual left guard. I'm with you. Uh, Dead Planet says Weidel is a great pickup. I think it's a it's a good hire, and this will be his first full off season. So excited to see what Weidel does with it. Gavin, I believe he's asking about uh, Dan Chesna, and um, and that's a, a speedy track guy. Played basically one year of football at Penn State, and then he's become a, a special teams guy in Minnesota, known for his speed. He's got some size too, but uh, like a four three type of guy. Yeah, if he makes it, he's gonna he's gonna have to probably make it through the Danny Smith path. You yeah, one hundred percent. He's like this cross between Gunner and Miles Boykin for whatever that's worth. Uh, let's see, a couple minutes left. Want to get to as many as possible. Anybody to realistically trade up for? It's too early to talk about that. All right. Probably less so this year because it's not as you know quarterback obvious as it was last year. But we'll just have to to wait and see. Uh, let's see what else there is. If we have anything else, I'm sure there's a couple of questions left. Uh, Todd, do I think that Kenny Pickett can improve? Yeah, I think Kenny Pickett uh, certainly can, and I fully expect him to improve. Uh, I expect all rookies or all second-year players to be better than they were in year number one. Yeah, once again, you're not going to have uh, the distractions and getting ready for the combine and and that kind of stuff. and. You know, have his first full full season underneath his belt. You know, whatever that improvement looks like. You know, obviously you hope it's greater, uh, greater than than you know, just a baby step forward here. But uh, most definitely, and and once again, you know, first six seven games of the season, that's when we that's when we better see it. Yeah, I know that Scott and Jake are asking about the off-ball linebackers and how that should be addressed. I think we've talked about that some throughout this chat. Uh, probably a couple different ways to do it. 
I'd probably prefer draft over free agency just because his team has tried to, to go that free agent or trade route so much, and it just hasn't worked out well. Um, but I'm excited for Mark Robinson, and I, and I think this team should and will uh, reset or resign Robert's blank. Uh, let's see if we have anything else. Let me just scroll down here. Just time for maybe two more questions if we have them. Uh, yes, that was Scott asking about the inside linebacker. Um, Chad, will we keep Miles Jack for now? I think it's kind of our thought, Dave, right on Miles Jack. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it, it, it obviously, I, I look, you that could go either way here. I mean, they could just say, look, we're going to cut bait with him, but it, it just it really feels like he's at least going to survive March fifteenth, and then you know, go from there. I, I don't think they would, I don't think they're going to be in a position because once you cut uh, William Jackson, the third, and let's say, I don't know, let, let's say Mitch goes out the door uh, around the same time too. I mean, you're freeing up $20 million uh, right there in cap space. And that's plenty to do your, you know, a lot of off season, you know, work and free agency work. And then you look at it, you know, moving on into the season of, 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 you know, get past the draft and, all of free agency and, and things like that. So I, I think at a minimum, we should look at miles Jack at the first hurdle for him to, to clear is March 15th. And my guess will be, he will survive March 15th. Yeah. Should we sign Orlando Brown? If able, that's a Mark Tobin. I probably wouldn't. I think he's a little overrated. He's going to cost a ton of money. I don't think he's his franchise, super trusted left tackle, to be honest with you. It just it doesn't sound like something they would do. No, you know? I don't think it's even in the in the conversation right now for this team. Uh, most toes, I think that's a, an overall accurate assessment of Moore and Dotson in terms of pass pro. Yes, both need to, to do better in pass pro, and yes, both need to do a better job communicating. That's a fair point. Logan says, what kind of jump would you want to see statistically from Kenny Pickett? I would say just red zone numbers. He was one of the worst red zone quarterbacks in football mm-hmm. this year. I think for you it's probably that and what, just average depth of target type numbers and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, pushing the football down the field a little bit more. Uh, and, yeah, uh, this team needs explosive plays, right? And, they do. Uh, need to need to maybe, you know, see if we can incorporate him uh, more of the slants, you know, more of the uh, – a little bit more of the middle of the field stuff. And, and But, yeah, red zone has got to get better and pushing the football down the field. Not necessarily 40-yard, 30-yard passes, but uh, be able to push it a little bit further down the field than he than he, than he did uh, his uh, his rookie season. Mike wants a full pod discussion on Devon Witherspoon, the uh, corner from Illinois who's super physical. I think that Josh has a report coming on him, so I don't know when our full pod discussion will, will occur. Mike, I'm sure we'll bring him up at some point, but check out uh, the article on Witherspoon in the next couple of days from Josh Carney. And, and we'll be doing roundtables yeah. where we'll be talking about these guys as well as too. So it's still it's it's still early. And our last question will come from Anthony Saucedo. I'm probably saying that horribly wrong, so I'm sorry, Anthony. How well do we think William Jackson will hold up enough to pass on DB's this draft? He is one of the first guys out the door, Anthony. <laughs> he is. Uh, it's not holding up. He is gone, gone. I would I would get him out the door now just in case he hurts himself uh, uh, right now. Uh, yeah, I the only way that guy stays if he says, you know what, I'll take the uh, you can you can uh, rip up this contract and let's replace it with a minimum base salary. That's the only way I keep him in the door right now. So he he should be gone by March fifteenth. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then one last comment here from our friend Russ Obenstein, who says, guys, thanks for another great season of best podcast there is. Dave is a cap genius, which he is. So thank you, Russ, for those very kind thank words. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
All right. only, as good, only as good as our people. That's going to wrap up today's stream. You guys can go back and listen to the full archive on Steelers Depot in just a little bit. Dave and I will return in two weeks. It'll be fresh off the Senior Bowl and Shrine Bowl with a lot to talk about. Be sure to follow the site for draft profiles and news. And Art Rooney should be speaking later this week, potentially as early as Wednesday, to kind of give his state of the Steelers address. And so thank you guys for being here. Great turnout tonight. Some some really impressive numbers we have not seen in quite some time. So really appreciate you guys, of course, being here and commenting and liking. Uh, that all really helps well for the algorithm during the kind of slower end of season cycle. So appreciate you guys being here. Dave, as always, thank you for being here. Well, thank you for putting these on. You do a fantastic job and peace and love to everybody. Thank you for coming tonight. Thank you for the donations and we'll talk to you soon. All right. that On that note, yep, yeah, we'll talk to you soon and thank you guys for being here.